following audio is from Deary Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DearyChristian.org. This week, um, I was given the privilege along with a handful of others. Um, BJ was one. Uh, Bill Ellis was another one. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Aaron Allen was a part of that. JB was a part of that. And I say, and I was a part of that. Is that everybody? I don't want to leave anybody out here. From here. From here. Okay. Well, Dave Lovelace extended uh, an invitation. Um, I don't know if it was an invitation or a challenge or what exactly it was. But Dave got in touch with me and said, I need, I need some people to come down to Oklahoma Union where he's the principal. And, and we just need some adults to be there to take part in what is called Challenge Day. All right, and it, we were there about 7.30-ish in the morning. I, hey, my girls get on the bus at 7, Dave. I, 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 was, I, I was not running on during time on purpose. It just, that's the way it had to be, okay? So we got there, and then we were there till, oh, about 3 o'clock that day. And what transpired between 7.30 and 3 o'clock was quite profound. Um, it was eye-opening. It was encouraging, and it was challenging, for sure. And what I told Dave when I got there, along with a bunch of other people, because I happened to watch a promotion video of Challenge Day before I went, and I said, Dave, Dave, I ain't dancing. I'm not dancing. It's not going to happen. These boots don't jive, okay? And I had tennis shoes on that day, but they don't jive either, all right? It just does not. I am not a dancer. And you know what? One of the first things, these two people, one came from California and Elias, I'm not sure where he came from. Do you? Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, and I got his name wrong. Wasn't you remember? His, I'm put you on the spot, Dave. Darius. I knew it was a biblical name. Uh, Darius. Darius. Remember Darius. Okay. I'm not sure where Darius is from, but you know one of the very first things they said. Hey, you're going to dance today. Uh, you're going to dance a lot. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm just like. Ugh. I mean, you could not say anything that would turn me off more to being a participant in something than saying, you're going to dance. Guess what I was doing by the end of the day? Dancing. Yeah, no, you're not going to see it now, Melon. You know what? They have figured out at this challenge day, probably through... Research, as well as a tremendous amount of, of 30 years of actually doing this with students and with people throughout the world, that celebration makes people vulnerable. It does. But it is incredibly difficult to get people to celebrate. Even at the young age of 15, 16 years old. And it makes me ask a question of myself. And I'm like, the Lord's timing is just real kick in the backside sometimes, you know? And I had to ask myself, have we forgotten to celebrate? Have we forgotten how to celebrate? 
We've been looking at for, um, as I've already told you, for several weeks at the spiritual disciplines. This is what those look like. We started with submission, which is obedience. We went from there to fasting. We went from there to study, to solitude, to meditation, to confession, to simplicity, to service, which we spent a couple of weeks on. We went there to prayer, to guidance, to worship. And guess what we wrap it all up with today? Celebrate. Celebration. All right, close your eyes for just a moment. Everybody in here. Close your eyes. And you're like, you're like feeling uncomfortable already. All I ask you to do is close your eyes. You do it when you go to sleep every night. And most of you do it up to 30 times, 30 times a second anyway. All right? So close them. Picture yourself celebrating. What comes to mind? Just think about it. Let's hold that thought for a moment. What is giving us, you can open your eyes, okay? I hesitate to tell you to close in the whole service because I know two-thirds of you will be asleep, all right? Okay, so open them back up. What gave us kind of the basis for this journey we've been on this summer is Nathan Foster's book, The Making of an Ordinary Saint. Well, the basis for his book was his dad's book, whose name's Richard Foster, and his book was this, get this, Celebration of Discipline. Now, does that title just like, oh, that sounds great, I want to read that. The Celebration of Discipline. I mean, doesn't that sound wonderful? Seriously, don't you want to read that book? Don't you? Because that's the thing. We don't, we like, discipline and celebration, is, is there really a connection there? And this is what Richard Foster has to say about celebration and about spiritual discipline. He says this. Listen closely. He says, without joy penetrating all the disciplines, they quickly deteriorate, deteriorate into another set of soul-killing legalism. If you don't take these things, this obedience, this study, this fasting, this solitude, this prayer, all of these things, if you do not saturate them with joy, it just becomes a to-do list, a check-off list to do each day, to be quite honestly, doesn't do a lot for us in the long run. Now, don't get me wrong, there will be some days that we do what we should because we should do it. But that should not be the norm. Quick survey. Here's another one. I've already asked you to close your eyes and think about that that celebrating thing. Now pull that back into your brain. I want you to be honest, all right? I'm going to be honest with this one. Don't raise your hands yet, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to put yourself into one of two groups. The life of the party, the party pooper. Be honest. Let's see the life of the party. Raise your hands. You notice my hand is not up. Raise them high. Be proud, folks. You should be. That's awesome. Okay, put your hands down. All right, party poopers, get them up. Uh Uh-huh. All right, so party poopers, this sermon is for you and me, but it's also for the rest of us, okay? Because it is, because the life of the party people get that life of the party drained out of them by life sometimes. 
You know what I mean? The sermon is for all of us. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. We'll be looking at two specific passages of Scripture today. One right out of the middle of the New Testament. Galatians is in the new, middle of the New. It's right after that first and second. First and second Corinthians, Galatians. If you're not sure what that's at, don't let that stop you. Look at your table of contents. Pull it up on your phone. That's easy. They got your table of contents right there. But get your eyes on this, okay? Galatians chapter 5. Many times we look at this passage of Scripture, but we don't look at it in its entirety, okay? So we're not going to just jump right in the middle of this. We're going to begin with verse 19. Galatians 5, 19. We'll read together down through verse 25. Galatians 5, 19 through 25. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned, as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is very much a, a downer passage of scripture. I almost said Debbie Downer, but my mother-in-law's name's Debbie, so I've, I've eliminated that from my vocabulary. And Debbie Metzger too. Okay, all right. Verse twenty-two. But. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Folks, what is the second thing on that list? Joy. Joy. There's a contemporary Christian group out there um, for king and country. And I didn't realize this. JB let me know this week. I had no idea that those are the brothers of, for us old timers, you know, Rebecca St. James. Remember her? That's her little brothers. I was like, oh my goodness, that's just crazy. It's crazy. Before the love of my life, Donna, came into my life, the crush of my life was Rebecca St. James, okay? Matter of fact, some of the youth group here, back about 14 years ago, were trying to talk me, because I was leading in the youth group, to take me to that concert and hold up a sign that said, will you marry our preacher, all right? Wouldn't have worked, and I'm glad, because Donna's better than her anyway. All right, so, but the... Her two younger brothers make up the group for king and country. And they have a song that came out this year. And some of you might know the title of that song. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But I was listening to kind of the background interview. Listen to Air One at all. They'll do some background interviews about songs and how those songs by the songwriters were written. And they talk about where this song came from. And they talked about how in this life it is so difficult to live with joy. So hard. And this is what this is what one of the one of those two brothers said. He said this for every Christian 
Joy is serious business. The serious business of joy. And I know you're thinking, that's like an oxymoron. Do those things even match? Yes, they do match. And, and the entitled, their song is entitled, I Choose Joy. It's interesting. The book that we've been looking at, The Making of an Ordinary Saint, was written long before that song came along. And who knows, maybe they read that book and part of that played a role in their song. Because Nathan Foster, the author of it, says this is a tough one. He says it's not just logically why celebration comes at the end of my book. He said, because it's very tough for me. And on one of his arms, he has a tattoo that says, I choose love. And he said on the other arm, there was another tattoo coming that says, I choose joy. And he said, I asked my wife if she was okay with that. And she flipped out. Does that mean that you will choose joy if you put that on your arm? (laughs) Every day? Put it on your arm. I choose joy. Nathan Foster, this is what he says in his book. He says this, I wonder if I have a habit of sabotaging good in my life. You ever feel you're riding that boat? I wonder if I have a habit of sabotaging good in my life. I didn't see pessimism on the fruits of the Spirit list. I didn't see party pooper. I didn't even see realist. Because that's, the, that's what we like to throw on us party poopers. We don't like to call ourselves a party pooper because it just doesn't sound good. Okay, So what do we call ourselves? I'm a realist. I see the world like it really is. I'm a realist. And we take, yeah, I'm a realist. That almost sounds masculine. Sorry, ladies. I mean, I don't know what that means if you're a realist too. I mean, I don't know. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. It's time for a little perspective. Now, this one's in the middle of the Old Testament, okay? Interestingly enough, historically speaking, it comes pretty close to the end of the Old Testament. But in our, new, our Old Testament, it comes chronologically in the middle. I take that back. Chronologically is time. It's at the end chronologically. I don't even know what you call it. They, I don't know why they put it this way. It's just in the middle of the Old Testament. That's what I'm trying to tell you, all right? Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. If you're not sure where that's at, you can find it, okay? Right there on your table of contents. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, hold that, hold the finger right there just for a second if you already have it. If you don't yet, continue to look for it while I continue to stall just for a second, all right? I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on. When you look at Old Testament, New Testament, we see Jesus, okay? We see the church. Old Testament, we see the law and we see the nation of Israel. That's kind of the way it works. Okay, so what you have here, it's very near the end of this chronologically in the Old Testament, um, the people of Israel have been punished majorly, specifically the nation of Judah, which is only a small part of the nation of Israel, okay? Israel had already been punished years before, but Judah has spent 70 years in captivity. First of all, by the nation of Babylon, and that kind of changed a little bit as well. 
but they were still in captivity. And they were in captivity because of the miserable failure of their nation to follow God and his law. You see, God always put a condition on his blessing of his people in the Old Testament. He said, you will get this, you will do this, I will do this for you, if you follow my commandments. And they did not. But this is the end of that captivity. And God brought about in the hearts of the kings. You got Darius here, you got Cyrus here, you got these kings that God is working on their hearts. And these kings begin sending these refugees, if you will, back home. But they're going back home to shambles. So two guys go back. You got guys going back to to build the temple. And then after that, you got other guys, Nehemiah being one of them. That was Zerubbabel. And I even hesitate to say his name because I'm probably completely butchering it. He built the temple. Ezra went back later to kind of dedicate the temple. And then you got a guy by the name of Nehemiah who goes back. This is funny. He's a cupbearer. He's not a contractor, okay? But he goes back to oversee the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. In that day, in that age, because of the harsh nature of life, if you didn't have walls around a city, that city was not going to survive and thrive. So he's given the blessing of the king to go back and rebuild those walls. The walls are rebuilt. Nehemiah turns to Ezra. He said, hey, let's go to the temple. It's time to celebrate. So that's what they do. Turn to Nehemiah again, Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to begin, make sure I got this right, with verse 9 through 12. Because the day isn't going like Ezra and Nehemiah anticipated. Verse 9 says this, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God, Do not mourn or weep. So they're getting together ready to celebrate and they're weeping. Why are they weeping? You get the answer. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. You see, Ezra was reading from the law and the people were coming to the realization that their lives and the life of their ancestors and forefathers did not match up with what was being read. And it saddened and terrified them all at the same time. But Nehemiah says this, he said to them, go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing. You got that? Everybody celebrates, from the wealthy to the poorest. Everybody celebrates. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people. So it wasn't just... Ezra, Nehemiah is saying this. You've got, they've got to then send out the ranks. The people aren't stopping. They're still crying. They're not celebrating. They're broken. It says in verse 11, So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went away to eat and to drink and to send portions and to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words which had been made known to them. 
Ezra and Nehemiah say this, stop crying. Because the joy of the Lord is your what? Your strength. Folks, there's something we've got to understand when it comes to joy and when it comes to life in Christ. Joy is not putting on a mask. Choosing real joy isn't faking it. It's living life from the proper perspective. Joy is incredibly connected to spiritual disciplines, okay? Joy is the production of attempting and also succeeding at spiritual discipline. It's not a checklist. Did I fast this month? Did I fast this week? Did I study? Did I pray? Did I spend time alone with God? Okay, what am I forgetting here? Um, Did I worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Did I take time to do that? It's not a checklist. It is a recipe for a life filled with joy. A joy that cannot be stolen by the rottenness of this world. Okay. Let's go hypothetical again here just for a moment, all right? You don't have to close your eyes for this one. If you need to, that's okay. I want you to think of your favorite singer or band. Or performing artists. Some of you might be comedian people or something like that. Okay, think of that. All right? You have the opportunity to see live the production of your choice. Whether it's a band, whether it's a comedian, whoever it might be. Maybe it's going to see Les Miserables on Broadway. I have no idea what it is for you, okay? You got the choice... To do that. Where are you sitting? Where's your seat? Is it up front? Is it in the middle? Is it to the left about two-thirds of the way back? Is it as far back as you can get? Tell you, I, I am not I am not a big concert person, okay? I never really have been. There are some artists that I think it would be nice to see. Um, but but if, if, if I had that opportunity to go see them, you know where you're going to find me? Some of you probably guess. In the back. And when I really get into it, tapping the foot. Maybe a little bit of head thing going on. That's about it. That's That's about it. Now some of you... Some of you are in the mosh pit up front, okay? I know some of you are. Maybe in your younger days. Maybe even now. Bon Jovi in the late 80s, you're there, buddy. You're getting with it with that 80s ladies, the poof ball in the front, just going everywhere. You're knocking people out with that thing, bouncing all over that poof ball right there. You remember the poof ball bangs? You don't remember those, Blair, because you weren't a child of the late 80s and early 90s. I was. You had the waterfall, you know, ladies, the waterfall, build it up high and wave it down. 
Wave it down. Mullet in the back, fellas. That's still popular. The mullet never goes away, does it? Here's the question. Let's change it up a little bit. Jesus is the headliner. Where's your seat? Front row? You letting the sweat of the Son of God hit you? Why do people cram into small and even large, incredibly large spaces to get close to Jesus? Was it the miracles? Is that all they were doing? Were they just seeking the miracles? Was it the teaching? There are those who said... He teaches like nobody we ever heard before. Was it, was it just to see the Pharisees get a good serving of justified humble pie? Was that worth the price of admission right there? And you're going to get close so you can hear every word of it? See the look on their faces? What about joy? Do you think that had anything to do with getting close Jesus? Unfortunately, many of us have turned... I'm talking to the party poopers here just a little bit, okay? The realists. Many of us have turned Jesus into some sort of concoction made up of Robocop and Mr. Rogers. Jesus went to weddings and celebrated. You know that, right? Even when mom came to him and said, hey, turn the water to wine, they're running out. He went there to celebrate. What else did Jesus do? He went to funerals. He touched the dead and made him come back to life again. Can you imagine hearing a joke from the mouth of God? Hey, Peter, why'd the camel cross the road? Jesus would be the only one who could make chicken cross the road jokes funny. Because Jesus. Humor is laced all through Jesus' teachings. Do you realize that? Now, we've taken it out. Do you know that? One of Jesus' most powerful teachings. Take the log out of your eye to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And we're like, oh, wow, that's deep. It's funny. All right? It's like, Melvin, um, you get that speck out of your eye there. Um, get Get that out of your eye because it's a real problem, Melvin. Okay, all right. Sorry, I didn't have any wood up here. I'm going to grab a guitar, okay? That's his teaching. You got Zacchaeus in a tree 15 feet off the ground. Zacchaeus, the scoundrel. Everybody hates him. He's about this tall, okay? And he can't see Jesus, but Jesus is coming to town, and he wants to see Jesus. So what does he do? He climbs up in the tree, 
What is Zacchaeus wearing? A dress. You understand that men wore dresses, right? They did. It wasn't weird. It's just what they did, okay? Ladies, how many of you climbed a tree lately in a dress about this long? Anybody? If you have, don't raise your hands, please. And just stop that right now. And Jesus comes walking up, and we're all like, Zacchaeus, you calm down for coming to your house today. You know, that's the way we say it. Jesus is like, Zacchaeus, bud. You know that tree. We're seeing way too much of you, buddy. Come down out of the tree, Zacchaeus, because I'm coming to your house today. You know what they did at that house? You know why? Jesus said it himself. Salvation has come to this house today. Jesus' joy overflowed. It was contagious. He was the life of the party, and he still is. You understand that, right? The parties that we are afraid to go to, he's there, and he's the life of that party. Now, those parties didn't change Jesus. He changed the party. Jesus will be up close and personal again one day. You do realize that, right? He was the life of the party. He is the life of the party. The day's coming when he's going to be the life of the party personally again. And folks, I tell you what, when that party gets started, we're not going to know what to do. It's interesting because I'm in the back usually when I first come in here. And it's interesting when we have a little bit of haze going to see people get a little uncomfortable. (laughs) If that makes you a little bit uncomfortable... Wait till Jesus shows up. You talk about smoke filling the room. Filling the atmosphere from the glory of God. So for a little while, we're going to be like, whoa. Matter of fact, we're going to be like, whoa. But then we will get up on our feet and we will celebrate. Why wait for it? Choose joy now. How? By getting close to Jesus. His joy is still contagious. Have we forgotten how to celebrate? It's come full circle here. Have we forgotten? I sometimes wonder when somebody gets in those waters right there, or waters like it, 
My brother was baptized in a swimming pool. My wife was baptized in a pond. But, but I, I watch it because it takes place here sometimes. And, and that's really cool because it, it's just so encouraging and it, it's, it's, it's powerful. And it's great to share with other people. But when somebody comes up out of that water, it's also something I, I, I watch because I'm a realist, you know, and I'm a party pooper. Um, and I'm probably not celebrating. I'm watching to see if other celebrate people are celebrating. Is that just about as ridiculous as it gets? And I'm telling you, when somebody comes up out of that water, there should be some of us hitting that ceiling. Salvation has come to that house. Yesterday I went, had truly the privilege of going to the races at Mocan Dragway with my dad. I hadn't, our, 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 whole, our whole family, we decided for dad's birthday this year, which is clear back in June, that we were all going to go and watch him race. We hadn't done it in decades. <laughs> Seriously. Now, there's those of us kind of go on to trust, but not ever, everybody. And we're there. And we're watching, and it was, it was a great, it was, it, was, it was a special day. It was, it was a fun day. Well, my dad, it was interesting because he, he was going to take that 73 Riviera that he built, well, he helped build Warren Milks. Warren came to church here for about three and a half years, and Warren passed away a little over two years ago, my dad's best friend, and he hasn't driven that car since. And he, he wanted to. But I think part of him still holding back a little bit because I know it's going to be emotional for him. But I think the other side of it too, just logically speaking, knowing my dad, he's like, okay, this car is really hard to drive. Everybody's coming to watch me and I'll probably get a couple time runs, get beat really fast and be loading it on the trailer and we'll be done. So he's like, I, I can't do that. So he took the car he raced for years and years, a 70 Camaro. And he not only entered in the no E class, he also entered in the super pro class. Something he's never done before because he said, they're going to be able, if everybody's going to be here, I don't care how much it costs me, they're going to be able to watch me race quite a bit. And guess what? My dad yesterday won three rounds in super pro when he's going against people who have electronics in their car and all he's got is his left foot and his right foot. He won three rounds in that thing and he won four rounds in the no E class. My dad doesn't race that much anymore. And I'm telling you, if you know anything about bracket racing, it's all about consistency and it's tough to just go there and just do it and have success. And it was so wonderful watching him come back after the race each time to the pit because all the family was there. And he would pull over and, and just watching the scene because, because Addison and Audrey were there. And then you have little Owen, uh, my, my great nephew. Man, that sounds weird. Okay. And Owen, how old's Owen now? Is he two? He's not three yet. Okay, Donna's back there, so you have to help me here, Audrey. Okay. I think he's three, two. Three? Three. You're sure? All right. Donna's always sure, so you better be sure, Audrey. And it was fun watching Audrey and Addison, because they're clapping, they're, yeah, but Owen, 
He comes running out there, scaring everybody because people aren't driving as slow as they should be driving in those pits. And he's waiting for Papa to open that door. And it's not Papa because it's my brother's Papa. So, Gigi Lou. Thank you. Good job. Gigi Lou. And he's like, You won! You won! You won! I mean, he's just jumping up all over the place. He's climbing across the roll cage to get into him. He's so excited. And then I come walking up. Got lucky on that one, Dad. Got red-lighted. Next time around. Well, it's a good thing the car's running the numbers because you were really late on that light, Dad. And I'm not even trying to, like, be depressing. It's just, like, coming out. I'm like, that's... You got Owen, uninhibited celebration. You've got Jamie, party pooper. You know what? It is no wonder that Jesus told his party pooper disciples to leave the kids alone. They were about the only ones who knew how to celebrate with Jesus the right way. Okay? Peter, shut up and let the kids come to me. And folks, don't think of Jesus being Santa Claus. He's not putting those kiddos on his knee. What you want for Christmas? No! He is playing. He's jumping. He's skipping. He's playing hopscotch. He's throwing them up in the air. He's laughing. Why is it easier for a child to choose joy than it is for us? I know you realists, what you're going to say, they're naive. When the truth is, we're the naive ones, not them. We just haven't had a chance to train them yet to be naive. What are you going to do in heaven? Folks, right there, that is reason for joy. We're going to heaven. Jesus is your Lord, your Savior. You're going to heaven. And what did he say to his followers? I go to prepare a place for who? For you and for me. Our Lord and Savior is also the general contractor of building our eternal home. And he's the master of joy. What are you going to do in heaven? Oh, there's a world of things we're going to do in heaven. You know what we're going to do? We're going to dance. Every one of us. So let's start dancing now. Every day. Let's celebrate Jesus. Because that is what makes people want to be a part of the party.